0: While Victoria cackled at the top of her lungs. I made a mental note to choose my words more carefully. A ceiling tile broke away and fell, hitting the floor at my back with a shower of sparks. On one side, a growing blaze inched closer by the second. On the other, a fire tossing lunatic blocked the only way out. No time to wait for Jesse to snap out of it, no time for backup to get here. I took a deep breath, then coughed myself hoarse, sputtering and spitting smoke. Another, slower breath, and I reached into my inner core, unfurling the heart of my power like the petals of a steel flower. Earth, air, water, fire, sang the ritual trigger, whispering in my inner ear. Garb me in your raiment. Arm me with your weapons. I called to my element, to the water, to the idea of water. I crooned a song of swift, icy rivers and bottomless ocean, of purity and flow, of the quiet, relentless strength that could carve through mountains. Tendrils of aquamarine shimmered around my right hand, driving back the smoke and the heat. My left hand flipped back my jacket and pulled the glock from my shoulder holster, I counted to three, braced myself, and made my move. I leaped up from behind the gurney just as Victoria unleashed another burning serpent. I lashed out with my right hand and painted the air with water. A glistening diamond shield. The serpent hit the shield and burst in a screech of sparks and blue-hot light. I was already on the move, bringing up my gun and snapping off shots as fast as I could squeeze the trigger. One went wild, pounding into the wall and shattering tile. The second hit her in the shoulder. Victoria yelped, staggering back, clutching her wound. She turned and ran. I leaped over the gurney, dead set on bringing her down. But I froze in the doorway where she'd been standing a heartbeat ago. The fire was still spreading, but Jessie didn't move a muscle. Hadn't moved? She stared at the encroaching flames, unblinking, paralyzed. I cursed under my breath and holstered my gun. She snapped at me and growled as I put my arm around her shoulder, struggling to pull her to her feet. It's me, I said. Come on, don't fight me. Step by plodding step, I hauled her out of the operating room. April, I said. Carnes is gone. We need extraction right now. "'On our way,' she replied. On the other end of the earpiece, an engine revved to life. I pulled Jessie through the abandoned clinic, past surgical suites filled with the mad doctor's recent handiwork—ragged red corpses and stacks of organ coolers under gore-spattered plastic—and through the dusty, empty waiting room. She started to come around once we made it out from the smoky haze and into the warm Nashville sun, and pulled away from me as she squinted and wobbled on unsteady legs. "'What happened back there?' she asked me. I stared at her. It took a second to find my voice. "'You tell me.' The clinic burned at our backs, black smoke rising in thin, rippling plumes to touch a cloudless blue sky— A van roared up to the curb. The livery shouted out an advertisement for a local plumbing company, but the side door rattled open to reveal banks of flickering screens and control panels. April Cassidy sat at the heart of the surveillance suite, leaning back in her wheelchair. The woman, in her sixties with steel wool hair and eyes like frozen sapphires, beckoned us on board with a nod. Behind the wheel of the van, Kevin leaned to one side and glanced over his shoulder at us. He pointed to the wideband radio on the cluttered dashboard. Police and fire incoming. ETA two minutes, the lanky teenager said. We gotta go. I slammed the door behind us. Hit it. April turned to the bank of screens. Whatever she was thinking, I couldn't guess. Her cool, expressionless face was a poker player's dream. Linda is waiting for a status report, she said. The van screeched away from the curb, making a beeline for the highway. I held on to a monitor to steady myself.